welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to a brand new week. It is The Ralph Report for a Monday, February 12th. So happy to be with you. I hope you had a great weekend. Hope everybody got their batteries recharged and you're ready to do whatever it is you have to do all week long. I know I am. Uh, This is, by the way, another free Monday, and I'm going to tell you why. For the foreseeable future, we're going to pump the Ralph Report out there for everyone to listen to on Mondays because we're getting an interesting phenomenon. Uh, A lot of folks who are signing up and subscribing to the Ralph Report at patreon.com slash the Ralph Report are saying that they heard it for the first time on one of our free Mondays. We did it when uh, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. We did it for the premiere episode. So if that's the case, if that's what it takes, if we need sort of a drug dealer mentality, which is to give you a little taste, a little something, something free, and then get you hooked and have you come back and subscribe at patreon.com slash the Ralph Report, then that's just what we're going to do. So if you're hearing the Ralph Report for the first time, welcome. Come on in. I think you're going to have a good time. Great show today. First of all, Got my kid on the show. It's uh, Nepotism Monday. (laughs) We're going to do a little movie review segment with my daughter, Olivia, who's pretty gosh darn cute, I got to say. We'll be talking to my boy, Buzz, Jay Busby from Yahoo Sports. He's over there in South Korea. We're going to be talking about the uh, the Olympics. And today kicks off my week-long series of interviews with my buddy, Chris Harrison, who is the host of The Bachelor, of course. The reason we're celebrating this week is not just because The Bachelor is on Monday nights, but it's the debut of The Bachelor Winter Games this week, which I'm very excited about. But first and foremost, I want to give a shout-out to some of the four-star generals who subscribe to The Ralph Report. You guys are awesome. Not only do you contribute questions to ask to some of the celebrity interviews that I do here on The Ralph Report, but you're also eligible to a little fun thing we do with the four-star generals every month, which is I pick five of the four-star generals every month, and I give you a phone call, and we talk for as long as we want about anything we want, about the show, about what you're doing, any questions you may have for me. We're going to hang out on the phone together every month, five four-star generals who have subscribed to The Ralph Report on Patreon.com will get a phone call from me. And so here are the first five four-star generals who I'm going to be talking to this month. Uh, Scott Van Villet. I think I got that name right. I'll find out when I talk to you, Scott. Skylar Isaac, Alex De La Rosa, Corey Clark, and Thomas Sides. You guys are the first five four-star generals that I'll be having phone conversations with this month as part of your subscribing to The Ralph Report. It's a way for me to say thank you for your support. I think that's going to be fun, too. I'm looking forward to talking to those guys, and I'm going to record them. Maybe we'll uh, play pieces of it on the show because I think it'd be interesting to hear what you guys think. So you guys will be getting an email shortly uh, later on today and we'll be setting up a time for us to get together and we'll get your phone number and we'll get it all squared away. So thanks again to all my four-star generals. And now let's take a look at all the showbiz news this morning, shall we? Here is your box office for the weekend. On a Monday, we like to take a look and see what people went to see in the movies over the weekend. Number one at the box office, Fifty Shades Freed. Really? people god damn it you got nothing better to do with your lives there's nothing better in the theaters to see than 50 shades freed the third in the 50 shades franchise made 38.8 million dollars over the weekend peter rabbit came out this weekend for the kids made 25 million dollars number three was the 1517 to paris clint eastwood film 
based on the true story using the real people from the events. $12.6 million made that number three at the box office. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, $9.8 million made it number four. The Greatest Showman, $6.4 million, put that at number five on the top ten. Maze Runner, The Death Cure, made $6 million at number six. Winchester, the horror movie with Helen Mirren, $5 million at number seven. The Post, Spielberg, Streep, Hanks, $3.5 million made it eight. The Shape of Water, $3 million made that number nine. And Den of Thieves came in at number 10 with $2.8 million this weekend. My film, which I'll be talking about later with my kid, Paddington 2, not in the top 10. Unacceptable. If you guys haven't seen that movie, God damn it, go see it. Loved it so much. Last night, the Writers Guild of America Awards were handed out at the Beverly Hills Hilton. These awards are given to writers by writers and often is a precursor for what's going to happen at the Oscars and the Emmys. So let's see who won last night for original screenplay. Here are your nominees. The Big Sick, Get Out, I, Tanya, Lady Bird, and The Shape of Water. I fully believed in my heart of hearts that The Shape of Water was going to get it. Screenplay by Guillermo del Toro and Vanessa Taylor. However, no complaints here. Get Out, written by Jordan Peele, was the winner for Best Original Screenplay. Can't complain. It's a terrific script and a great concept. But uh, And I would, have, I would have voted for that. But I really thought Shape of Water was getting so much uh, heat lately with the awards that it was going to take it. But surprise, surprise. Best Adapted Screenplay, no surprise here, went to Call Me By Your Name. Screenplay by James Ivory, based on the novel of the same name. Not a surprise, however, I was kind of hoping that Logan was going to pick up the award. The uh, screenplay by Scott Frank and James Mangold and Michael Green uh, came from the characters, of course, from the X-Men comic book, so it's considered an adapted screenplay, but I thought that was pretty terrific as well. The television nominees' drama series went to Handmaid's Tale. It was up against Stranger Things, Game of Thrones, Better Call Saul, and the Americans. When it came to comedy, Veep, my show, love that show, so brilliantly written, was the deserving winner for Best Comedy Series. Silicon Valley, Masters of None, Glow, and Curb Your Enthusiasm were its competition. Can you really give a writing award to Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is a show that is largely improvised? I mean, they write out the, the story, they write out the, the, the plot, but the dialogue is all filled in by the performers. And don't get me wrong, I think it's brilliantly done and it's a very difficult process, but it's not really written, right? In the category of animation, the uh, nominees were Bob's Burgers for an episode called Brunch Squatch. Simpsons had two episodes in the running, A Father's Watch and The Surfsons. And then BoJack Horseman had an episode called Ruthie and Times Arrow nominated. Times Arrow, the BoJack Horseman episode, was the winner. Episodic Drama. You see, they give away an, a drama award for the series, but they also give away a drama award for each episode. And Better Call Saul won for their episode called Chicanery. And for a specific episode in a comedy, the winner was Will and Grace coming back from the dead to pick up a Writers Guild Award for Rosario's Quinceañera. The award for Best Comedy Talk Series went to last week with John Oliver. First time in a long time The Daily Show hasn't won this category, but congratulations to everybody over there. And for Comedy and Variety Sketch Series, well, of course, Saturday Night Live picked up the award because who else is going to win it for Comedy and Sketch, right? Yesterday, Harvey Weinstein fired back at a lawsuit that came from the New York Attorney General 
stating that the Weinstein Company had an atmosphere of sexual harassment and abuse for its female employees. Well, the lawyer for Harvey Weinstein shot back, saying that Harvey Weinstein was being made a scapegoat for Hollywood's bad treatment of women in its industry. Here's what his lawyer had to say. While Mr. Weinstein's behavior was not without fault, there was certainly no criminality. Really? Really, when you corner a woman in a restaurant and jerk off in front of her into a potted plant, that's not criminal? The lawyer continued to say, if the purpose of the inquiry is to encourage reform throughout the film industry, Mr. Weinstein will embrace the investigation. If the purpose, however, is to scapegoat Mr. Weinstein, he will vigorously defend himself. It would be a lot more believable coming from a guy who didn't time after time, according to woman after woman, just be a complete fucking pig. Keep in, keep in mind that Weinstein is currently being investigated for five different investigations in L.A. County and also in London and New York for criminal charges as well. So if you're trying to paint yourself as a victim here, Harv, I think you're drawn on a weak hand. It's not maybe the best defense for you to go. Maybe you should just shut the fuck up. You just take your lumps for being an asshole. And what's going on, Spice Girls? I'll tell you what I want. I want you to tour, like you said you were going to tour. But now Victoria Beckham is talking to Vogue magazine at New York Fashion Week, and she said they're not going to go on tour. I wanted to see them on tour. I want to see them get into that magical double-decker bus and get on the road again. I want Meatloaf to drive them around, and I want them to tour. She said to Vogue, I'm not going on tour. The girls aren't going on tour. So now, now what am I supposed to believe? Posh Spice did, however, confirm that they are in talks to do something with their girl power brand. Well, that just sounds like a cash grab. What's in it for me? She said, there's something so strong in the message of what the Spice Girls stood for. What is that in the future? What does that look like? We were just bouncing ideas around, brainstorming. So, so you're just, you're, it's, you're just giving me blue balls. That's what you're doing, Spice Girls. Come on. I want a zig zig take a look at today's celebrity birthdays all these stars born on this day the 12th of february actor joe don baker is 82 years old today michael ironside another terrific actor is 68 steve hackett guitarist for genesis is 68 years old michael mcdonald from the doobie brothers she came from somewhere back in here long ago minute by minute by minute by minute he's 66 years old today joanna kearns from that TV show that she was on. <laughs> what was it? Um, uh, not Different Strokes. The, the one with Mike Seaver. Come on. Uh, growing Pains. Whew. I thought it was never going to come to me. She's 65. Arsenio Hall is 62. Josh Brolin, Cable. He's 50 years old today. China Phillips of Wilson Phillips is 50 as well. Jesse Spencer's 39. Actress Sarah Lancaster, who I loved on Chuck. Where's she been? I miss her. She's 38 years old today. And Christina Ricci also turns 38. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. Well, other than showbiz news, there's some other stuff going on in the world. The big deal when it comes to athletics. Now, me personally, I am not an Olympics guy. I do not follow them. I like the Winter Olympics more than I do the Summer Olympics. But for me, it's always like a bunch of sports that no one gives really a rat's ass about until it rolls around to be Olympic time. Then all of a sudden, everybody's interested in curling. I mean, it's just not for me. I like hockey. I'll see what's going on with hockey, although the NHL players aren't even participating this year in the Olympics. So I needed to talk to somebody who knows something about something when it comes to the Olympics. And when it comes to sports, the guy that I turn to is my buddy, Jay Busby from Yahoo Sports. He is in South Korea covering these Olympics. 
So I thought it'd be great if we could reach out and talk to my buddy Buzz, find what's what's going on in in South Korea. What's the buzz? Buzz, how are things there in Pyeongchang? Am I saying that correctly? No, you're not. It's Pyeongchang. Ah. I've, been, I've been told. Yes, uh, that's the first thing you got to learn is that uh, is how to say the actual name of the place. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm being a little bit I'm being a little bit unfair. This is the nicest place I have ever been in terms of of personal manners and the way that everyone is treating me and everyone is behaving and everyone's saying please and thank you. It's it's insane. South Korea is is a ridiculously polite place. And it's been a delight to stay here. Now, it sounds crazy to be talking about this because it is the Winter Olympic Games. But all the news I see coming out of Pyeongchang is how goddamn cold it is. Dude, it was so freaking cold last night. I was uh, up on the mountain covering luge, and it was a minus five degree wind chill, Ugh. which, you know, once you, once you get, you would think that once you get below about 10 degrees, it all starts to feel the same. No, no, this is a whole different kind of cold that just works into your bones. And I am not complaining in the least. No one wants to hear anybody complaining. But uh, for the athletes, that's what the issue is, is that it's sometimes too cold to even uh, compete. How are they coping? I mean, what do you do when it's that cold? Well, you drink. Uh, it's <laughs> not the athletes, but everybody else. Uh, I, I have a, a story on Yahoo Sports today about this, uh, this the the luge, which is as you know, it's it's the one where you sit in a little sled and you roll down that track and you just you're hauling ass for about ninety miles an hour. And uh, these families come and follow their kids, you know, their their sons and their daughters, and they and they literally follow them. They're like little league parents, except they go all over the world. Right. And I was talking to these folks, and I said, "How do you how do you?" How do you handle this cold? And they said, we do, we drink luge hooch, which is some combination of Jameson's and Bailey's, and they just pound this stuff, man. It's hysterical. So, yeah, other than uh, other than just medicating yourself, there's not much you can do. Now, what are the big stories for the American teams while we're there? I know Lindsey Vaughn is always a, uh, a crowd favorite because, first of all, she's smoking hot, but also she's sort of the, the, the champion of female skiing there. I know she has a, a large presence there. Am I correct? Yeah. Exactly. She's, you know, she's, she's kind of the reigning ski champion, the, uh, the elder, uh, stateswoman, as it were, uh, Michaela Schifrin, uh, perhaps the, the heir apparent, and she could be here for another three to four Olympic games. She's the up and comer. You're going to keep an eye on her as well. Sean White, the snowboarder. Those are probably your three big names that you're going to want to keep an eye on. Beyond that, uh, it's, it really starts to be a story of, of individual people that you have not heard of before and you might not hear of again two weeks from now. But you see the little story on them on ESPN or on uh, NBC, where you know you, you read about how they were raised in a in a one room shack in Minnesota and they worked up to to be Olympians and and it's a great story for a short period of time. Speaking of family, I know Lindsay lost her grandfather recently, and she said she is dedicating this Olympics to her. So she's got to be having a hard time because I know they were very close. Right. Yeah. She is. She is an interesting uh, case study because she's one of the few, if if not the only, Winter Olympian who has reached that level of fame of, say, a Tiger Woods, who she dated briefly, uh, a Tom Brady, someone like that, who you see them in in society pages, society pages. Good God, how old am I, man? You see them. <laughs> God, what an old ass reference that was. You see them on uh, TMZ and things like that. That's right. a little more contemporary. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Sometimes, uh, anyway. sometimes we get telegrams about him. 
Exactly. One of these days, uh, the Pony Express is going to bring us news on Lindsay Vaughn. Uh, but you know, you see them, they, they exceed the level of their sport. And so she has a, a demeanor about her, kind of a distance and, and uh, an awareness of who she is as a celebrity that most of these kids don't have. I've been talking to a bunch of them and it's it's really kind of fun. You know, they're, they're not that far out of high school, a lot of these kids, and they don't have that kind of uh, built in shell that athletes, that pro athletes have in America. While we're talking about family, like we were with Lindsay's grandfather, I'm getting a lot of stories about Kim Jong-un's sister sort of yes. stealing focus at this Winter Olympics. Everyone's saying how charming she is, and she's sort of winning people over who have a, a, a distrust and a fear of the North. This is a weird story, man. She landed for the opening ceremony a few days ago, and South Korean media went insane for her. I mean, you know, she's, she's young. She's an attractive woman. We don't know anything about her. No one knows anything about her except that she's, you know, obviously the brother of a dictator of an, of an autocratic regime. But right. still, people kind of suddenly went insane. She was all over TV. I mean, every time you got into a bus, they have, they have big old TVs on the buses here. Uh, there were there were pictures of her. There was social media was just consumed with her, and so. The, the, there are a lot of people who are sort of swooning over her, and then a few other people who are backlashing say, "Hey, let's let's not forget who this lady represents here. Let's not let's not forget the regime that she's coming to represent and get uh, get kind of taken in by her beauty." So it's it's a fascinating situation because no one has any real connection or understanding of how North Korea works behind lines here. Do you feel any political tension in the air at all, Buzz, while you're there between the North and the South? Uh, no, no, quite the opposite, actually. You, you know, you feel I was at a um, speed skating event a couple of nights ago, and the, there were these North Korean cheerleaders. Uh, it's, it's a contingent specifically sent from North Korea, and they showed up. And, and this is a, an interesting contrast. Uh, they showed up, and they're wearing these red warm-up suits, and they march in in unison. They don't quite march. You know, their, their legs aren't moving, but they're walking in in unison. Mm. They stand there. They wave in unison, and then they left, and, and I happen to be outside uh, the in the little concourse when they left and they're all walking out silently they're waving to people all you can hear is the whisk of their, their you know they're smiling and they're waving but but they're very much being led by these handlers and of course all around them the south koreans and all the other uh contingent all the other countries and you know americans are sitting there drinking concessions you know and things like that things like that but but this this group of north korean women is just being led in and out it's a very surreal scene so hmm. it's it's not quite a tension but no one quite knows what to do with them yet yeah I mean, I mean, culturally, it's, they must, they must, I guess, fear maybe uh, defection or something like that, perhaps? Well, yeah. The, oh, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a great point because they are, they have handlers all over them. So they cannot, you know, if, if, if one of these young women decided to go and, you know, take a hard turn into the bathroom, uh, I, I, I'm honestly not sure how that works. You know, you've probably heard about when Cubans do that, uh, you know, touring baseball teams, they'll go and they'll, they'll run across the baseball field and they'll defect to the United States. I don't know if it works legally the same way it does here, but I do know that if they tried that, there would be some pretty harsh consequences, probably for them and not, not only for them, but their, their families back home. Moving on, I have to admit, I'm really not an Olympic guy per se, but I do love hockey. I love ice hockey, and I always liked watching the Winter Olympics ice hockey, largely because we had a lot of pro players from the NHL who would come and compete for their teams. Not so this year. The NHL has uh, banned their players under contract for participating in the Olympics because they didn't want to shut down their season for it. How is that changing the news and the story around the men's hockey team? 
Yeah, it's 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 taken all the life out of the story, and I don't mean this is any insult to the to the young players that are playing, but it really has taken. I mean, for you, you're right. Coming into the past few Olympics, you're thinking, all right, you've got all of these NHL players playing together. It's like the dream team on the, in basketball, and there's not any, there's no juice, no buzz behind the men's team this year. And and again, no disrespect to the young guys that are playing, but you know, you would much rather have a team of NHL players that'd be a lot easier sell for NBC than a bunch of guys that you don't know. So it's it's taken all the buzz away from that and, and I think that NBC is gonna is gonna take a little bit of a hit ratings watch just because they're not going to have those familiar names. Although we have to remember the the famous miracle team from nineteen eighty, they were a bunch of kids. They weren't pros and uh, that was a great story. Yeah, yeah, that actually turned out okay, didn't it? Uh, that's what I mean. That's what the that's what the Olympics are all about is selling these these stories, these moments of absolute triumph coming out of nowhere, and and, and these stories of heartbreak. I mean, it is this what's so intense? You will not find a more intense sporting event. I don't care whether you're talking about the final two minutes of the Super Bowl. You will not find a more intense moment in sports than those last few minutes of of skating's long program where uh, the skaters are skating for the gold. They got to be out there for four minutes, and if they if they twitch they lose the gold medal. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that is some intense, intense stuff. And so that's why I think people uh, uh, plug into it is because it's, and of course we all become we, instant skating judges. We're like, oh, uh, <laughs> so completely what she did wrong there. I mean, that, that, that's ridiculous. You just can't do that. But it's, it's an intensity that is really unmatched at a level anywhere other than sports. And you see why, why Olympians uh, uh, flame or uh, burn so bright and flame out so quickly. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about the luge competition that you were at. Um, we did okay in that, right? Didn't the, didn't the American win the single? Yes, he did. He, as a matter of fact, it was the first ever singles luge, and uh, it was it was an interesting thing because it, the, the way that the luge works is you, you slide down, you have four different slides, and and you total up the total number of your total time of your slides, and so you end up with something in the three and a half, three forty five range, uh, because it only takes about forty five seconds or so to go down this slide. And this is a case where of the exact opposite, the the guy from uh, Germany who I regret to say I cannot remember his name right now, but uh, he was leading going into the final. Uh, run the fourth run, and this guy, all he had to do was was complete his run well enough, and he was going to win a medal. And he comes down the, the the run, and he makes this little twitch. His toe just bounces off the ice just the tiniest bit, and uh, and he lost. He he wow. ended up in, in fifth place. And so he just sli- and and the way that it was set up is there was everybody celebrating there, and he literally slid right by them. And, and this is terrible to say, but uh, it was like it was like sad Charlie Brown music. You know, he just goes sliding <laughs> right by them, all sad as as they're all celebrating. He's got his head down. I mean, it was, it was a little bit heartbreaking. <laughs> exactly. Get the trumpet sure out. Sad, yeah, that's what sad trombone is in German, but uh, it would have played. <laughs> all right. For those of us who are uh, novices to Olympics, maybe we're not as plugged in as you. Give us some advice of what to check out as things move forward. What, what events should we be looking at? What things should we try to make sure we catch on NBC as we watch? Uh, speed skating relay. This is speed skating in general is awesome because they're just hauling ass around this 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 tiny rink. You know, it's a it's a hockey rink, and they they're go, they're going in this in uh, this tiny tiny formation. They've got these these glowing gleaming blades, and it's fascinating watching these guys with and women with just the tiniest margin for error. And more often than not, you're going to see somebody crash. And it's you know it's it's it, it's like NASCAR. You don't necessarily watch for the crashes, but it does happen. <laughs> 
but ski, uh, relaying, or re- speed skating relay takes it to another level because each team has four people on the ice. So you got 16 people on the ice at high speeds here, and it's ridiculous, man. It's just watching that chaos. It's it's like watching a bunch of, of, of hyperactive kids turn loose in a ball and all trying to run <laughs> in the same direction. It is, and and these are all some of the highly most highly tuned athletes in the world. So that would be my my prediction or my recommendation for what to check out. All right, I am sold, Jay Buzz from Yahoo Sports. Thank you so much for taking time out, sir. Stay warm. Get yourself some of that luge hooch so you don't <laughs> so you don't freeze up. And uh, we'll try to check in again later this week, perhaps. I look forward to it, brother. Thanks, Buzz. Take care. You know, a funny thing happened to me when I became a dad. It, it kind of happened when I got married, but more so when I became a dad. You change your movie-going habits. I used to go, when I was a single man, see everything all the time. I'd go see three or four movies a week. Um, when I got married, it got cut down considerably, maybe one or two a week, maybe once a week, grown up films. And then when you have a kid, you're you're busy and you got stuff going on and you don't get to go see the movies hardly at all. I mean, I'm really, I mourn how rarely I go to the movies now. And when I do now, it's usually with the kid and we go to see a kid's movie. So I thought it would be fascinating for any other parents out there to talk to a kid about the kid movies and see which ones she likes. So we're going to start a regular segment here on The Ralph Report with my daughter, Olivia. She's going to be our resident kids movie critic. And the segment is called Livy at the Movies. Welcome, everyone, to Livy at the Movies, the movie review show for kids and parents with your star, Olivia Garman. Hello. Olivia, what movie are we going to be taking a look at today? Paddington 2. Yes, the sequel to the popular film Paddington, based, of course, on the classic children books out of the UK. And why don't you tell us a little bit about Paddington 2, Olivia? Um, Paddington's very funny, and Paddington's the main character, and he lives with a family in London. That's right. Paddington has been sent from the jungles of Peru, where he lived with his aunt and his uncle, to go to London, and he meets the Brown family, and they become his family there. What was your favorite part of this film? My favorite part was when Paddington was washing windows to get money and he has a rope to climb and he gets tangled. Then he falls to the ground and water falls on his head. Yeah, he's trying to get money so he can buy a birthday present for his beloved Aunt Lucy, who's still back home in Peru. And he wants to buy her a very special gift. And what's that gift, Libby? It's a pop-up book of London. Yeah. And the series of misunderstandings, Paddington gets in trouble with the law and actually goes to prison. Were you scared at all when Paddington was in jail? No, I was just sad. Yeah, I was sad for him, too, because he was all by himself, right? <laughs> yeah. Who is your favorite character in the film? Paddington. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. He's a pretty good bear. For uh, the parents who are listening, this movie is an all-star team of British actors who just crush it. Hugh Grant, as the villain of the piece, hasn't been this entertaining in a long, long time. Sally Hawkins and Hugh Bonneville play the Browns, who have taken in Paddington and are raising them as his own. Uh, Brendan Gleeson almost steals the film as the cook in the prison where Paddington is sent. It's so much fun. It's really entertaining, and uh, it's charming as heck. And it's funny. And it is very funny. You're absolutely right. I was laughing loud, wasn't I, Livy? Yes, you were. So, you know, Olivia, most film reviewers, they give a film a rating, and it's usually a number of things. It can be stars, it can be thumbs up. What are you going to use for your rating system? Hearts. Because that's your favorite shape? Yes. Okay. So if you had to give 
a number of hearts to Paddington 2, one being lowest and five being highest, how many hearts would Paddington 2 get? Four and a half. Four and a half hearts. Wow, you really like this film. Yes, I do. Did you like it more than the first Paddington? Yes. Why is that? Because it's funnier and there's no guns. Yeah. <clears throat> you don't like guns in movies, do you? I don't. No, you don't. What did you think about the movie? What did I think about the movie? I loved it. I thought that the actors were so entertaining, and I thought the story was so great, and even the way they shot the film, when Paddington is looking through that big pop-up book, his imagination takes him inside the pages of it. Yeah. I thought it was really cool how they did that. It's one of my favorite <laughs> movies of the year. I really, really, really loved it. Did you love it, too? Yes. Okay. So what movie are we going to see next time, Liv? Peter Rabbit. Peter Rabbit. We're going to go see that film, and then we'll talk about it in the very next episode of Livy at the Movies. Thanks so much for spending some time with me, kiddo. You're welcome. I love you. I love you, too. You know how much I love you? So much. So much! It's kind of embarrassing to have it known that I am more excited about the Bachelor Winter Games this week than I am about the actual Olympic Winter Games. Is that, is that wrong of me? I can't help it. They're bringing together uh, Bachelor contestants from all around the world, all the foreign versions of The Bachelor that are out there on television. They're bringing them together to actually compete in the Winter Games this week on ABC. And the host of that show, like the host of The Bachelor, is my buddy Chris Harrison. And Chris is such a great guy. And by the way, a terrific host. I played a fake host on television three times in three seasons of a show called The Joe Schmo Show. So I played a fake reality show host on those shows. And it is a tough job because I kind of had to do what a, what a host on those shows do. Move the, the, the games along and, and interview the participants and do all that kind of stuff. And I got a brand new appreciation for that art form doing that show. Chris Harrison does it for real. And he's one of the best on television. Chris is a great guy. He's an interesting guy. I'll be talking to him all week long. And today's highlight of that interview we talk about how he got from his home in Dallas, Texas, to Los Angeles, and to being one of the biggest hosts on television. I excuse him for being a Dallas Cowboy fan in this interview, and uh, I think you're going to find it interesting. Here is today's highlight of my conversation with the host of The Bachelor, Chris Harrison. Well, boys and girls, you know about my fascination, some would say obsession, with a television program called The Bachelor. And so you can imagine my, my great pleasure is to be sitting here with the king of the Bachelor Nation, the, the emperor of heartbreak, the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Harrison. Chris, thanks for being here. In my dining room, no less. In your dining In room. My, <laughs> at yes. my table. And it's, uh, I'm surprised there aren't just hot and cold running bachelorettes here in this house, but you, <laughs> right? seem, you seem to live a very subdued existence. I gave everybody strict uh, you know, rules to get out of here before you got here. Uh, that makes sense. We cleaned the place up. Uh, there, were, there were a few dead ones left around. <laughs> we, we scraped them into the closet. So we, no, we cleaned the place up for you. Well, thank you. And you notice there's no water beds, no... <laughs> I've, I thought it'd be much more Hefner-esque, right. but, but no, it's really sort of... <laughs> like velvet walls and mirrors <laughs> on the ceiling, like really gross. Yes, like exactly. Like grotto-esque. Right. Um, before we get to all things Bachelor, and we will touch on that, let's go back in your history a little bit for folks who aren't familiar with your start. Uh, Texas boy, right? Right. Dallas, Texas. Dallas. Born and raised. Uh, it's the only thing I have a problem I know, with. I know you're a Philly guy. Yeah. You know what? Out of, out of all the times you and I have talked, we've never 
gotten never really it. well because yeah. I like you and I don't I want to go down that road. You know, you go there. You go down that rabbit hole. It's over. Yeah. We'll never talk again. It would get ugly. Yeah. Uh, so, what was the plan as as little Chris Harrison growing up in in Dallas? What was what was the dream? What, what where did you want to go? I you know it's it funny because. You know, no one in my family and in my life is in this business, is in, you know, any kind of entertainment business. And, you know, I, I the closest I got to TV is I had one in my house uh, <laughs> that I actually had to go up and, you know, change the channel with the pliers. Yep. Um, that was it. I, I never thought, oh, that's a job. People do that. Um, I never really aspired to it. I, I played soccer. I played everything. I was an athlete growing up. Football, you know, you, it's a birthright in Texas. You got to play football. But I, I was really a soccer player. Love soccer. That huh. was my life, my passion, my dream. And that's all I really cared about. And was my, it very popular back then? I can't. You know, what's funny? Dallas is actually a hotbed of youth soccer. Really, we one of the biggest youth soccer tournaments, the Dallas Cup, in in the world, actually. And so, oddly enough, there is this weird cult following. It's never really looked upon, you know, by the coaches in school as favorable. And right. you know, I, it was back in the eighties when they were, they were calling, you know, still calling you a communist for playing <laughs> soccer. I'm like, really? Like, think about that. You commie playing that commie sport. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? <laughs> Um, but I just love soccer and I knew that I, that's what I wanted to do in college. Hmm. And that's what got me to college. Oh, scholarship. So play, yeah, played, played soccer. I went to this small school, Oklahoma city university. Um, that's not a real school. That doesn't sound not, real no, at all. Not. You know, the, 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 the other claim to fame, it was funny. It's a big liberal arts school. And I, I took recruiting trips around other schools. And then I took, you know, this last one to OCU. And, and I was like, you the, the, the coach came up to me at a tournament and said, Hey, Come, come up and visit. And I'm like, where? Oklahoma City University. I said, oh, OU. He's like, no, OCU. And I said, OSU? <laughs> no, no, not Oklahoma State. And so, I, you know, long story short, I went up there and I actually fell in love with the school. It was, you know, this private little Methodist school and about 2,500, 3,000 liberal arts. And what really got my attention is it was 24 to 1 girls to guys. That ain't bad. Those huge odds. Huge dance program and a huge pageant school. Wow. Which is foreshadowing if you know what I do now. Yeah, right. But if you win a Miss Teen anything, Miss Teen Nebraska, Texas, whatever, you win that pageant, you get scholarship money. You get a scholarship. One of them school, one of the schools is OCU. So the plate, when you go to school there, you meet people and you're like, hi, I'm Chris. And they're like, hi, I'm Stephanie. I'm Miss Kansas. And I'm like, I, I, it took me weeks to understand what was happening. All these girls were pageant winners. That's crazy. So half the girls are pageant winners, half are dancers. And then they started sports there about four years before I got there to try and get straight men to go to school there. <laughs> I don't know why they got me, but yeah, no, they failed. But yeah, so one of the recruiting tools, my coach is like, by the one, by the way, twenty-four to one girls to guys. If you want to sign here now, you can. <laughs> you know, you're a horned anybody up have teenager. a pen? Anybody have a pen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I actually fell in love with the place, and it, it ended up being a great move. Uh, and they have this, you know, really incredible liberal arts. Uh, theater program. Kristen Chenoweth went to school there and I watched her go through her wow. whole thing. And yeah, it was funny. I would go to college productions and watch Kristen Chenoweth. And you're like, you know, it's like watching Michael Jordan play against, you know, grade school kids. Yeah, like a schoolyard. One of these is not like the others. And obviously she, she went on to blow up, but it was a great move. And when I was at school, I found sports casting. I started doing play by play for the basketball team huh. and fell. I'm like, Holy cow, this is awesome. I love this. The best of both worlds. I love this more than soccer. I love this more than anything I'm doing. And I got into the, the uh, mass comm department, started doing sports casting, the newscast, and interning in Oklahoma City. And, and just it took off from there. But I quickly realized this is what I want to do. Um, so what happens from college then? 
Uh, what's the first big break? Where do you go that that you get your shot to finally do it professionally? Once once I was there, and, and because I was playing soccer, I met some of the local sports guys in town in Oklahoma City. And Oklahoma City, it was, it was really kind of a perfect storm because it's a big market. Obviously, it's a top 50 market, but it's not a top five market. Right. So it's a place where, you know, if I'm in Dallas or New York or L.A., I'm not busting in. But Oklahoma City allowed me to, out of school, I started interning for this amazing man, Bill Teagans, who was, was my, my dear friend, mentor, gave me, you know, my first three breaks in this business, took me under his wing and just and kind of groomed me. And we just hit it off. We had this weird kind of father-son connection. And I met him early on, like my sophomore year, I started interning for him. And I, I couldn't get enough of this guy. I couldn't get enough of just being around the station. I was a rat. I would sign up for internships because you only get two. Right. Start my internship, bring them the papers, and then go back and drop the class from college and just continue to work. <laughs> and then, look, they, after three years, they caught on to me, but they didn't care. They knew I was like there was no getting rid of me. But that was my break was meeting Bill, getting into the station. It was KWTV, the CBS affiliate in Oklahoma City. And after college... Um, Bill gave me my first big break. And you're going to hate this. My first huge break happened because of the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, boy. Here we go. So, I, you know, a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. I have forgotten more about the Cowboys than most people know ever. And they fired Jimmy Johnson, hired Barry Switzer. And they sent me down to just produce. I wasn't ready to be on the air yet. I was maybe doing some, like, weekend morning stuff. And... They said, go on down, help out the main weekend guy, do live reports. You can, you know, bird dog all the information and help edit and all that. Back then, they used to edit in the trucks, and, you know, it was old school. And the truck fell apart. Everything went down, went to hell. So this guy was stuck live on the air oh, with no, no tape, no nothing, no interview. I was, you know, in my suit and tie, and he pulls me on. Just out of the blue, he pulls me on, and he goes right before, he's like, just, I'm going to interview you. Just talk. Just talk about what you know. And he interviewed me, and I basically was his co-host for this little special live shot. And my boss saw it, and all the bosses back home saw it, and that was my break. They're like, you're good enough. We're putting you on the air. Wow. So you start sports casting for that station? Yeah, so I worked, at, uh, worked in Oklahoma City for nine years. From 93, well, probably you know early 90s through 99 is when I left. And so I interned there, worked part-time, then started moving my way up. And by the time I left, I was the weekend the you know, number two guy who was the weekend sportscaster. Huh. And it was great. I covered, you know, OU football, Oklahoma State football, the Dallas Cowboys, Texas Rangers. And my goal then was to move home to Dallas. Like, that's all I wanted to do. But I, I loved cutting my teeth in Oklahoma City. And, and, and I ventured off into other things because, you know, when news and weather kind of took over, we would they would grab us. And, and you know, April 1995, when the Oklahoma City bombing happened, I was there. And... Mm. We didn't, you know, we didn't go off the air for a week and for a month we were just covering the bombing and, and daily stuff. And so I was, I became a news reporter and started covering the medical examiners, press conferences every day and, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And it just was a crazy, a crazy experience that definitely shaped my life and shaped my perspective on things and, and, and how I went, for, you know, on in my business and, and how I look at things now that I do the bachelor or miss America, whatever it is, and kind of keep things in perspective. Right. And, and that was, that was huge for me. And then in 99, I made that leap to come to LA. 
What was the draw to Los Angeles? Did you want to start doing other things, sports? Nothing, really. Honestly, I had, so it was funny. So I was married at the time, didn't have kids, and, and my wife and I were sitting there. We knew we weren't staying in Oklahoma City, but my goal was to move to Dallas and be a sportscaster. Mm-hmm. Cover the Cowboys, be the voice of the Cowboys, live there and, you know, raise children, all that good stuff. My family's from Dallas. So I got, finally got a job offer to move home to Dallas. I'm like, this is it. This is great. We just hit, hit the jackpot. And at the same time, I had this agent um, based out of L.A. And she called. And she said, you know, there's this new horse racing network. And they want you to come audition. And I'd never been to L.A. I saw the movie Colors. <laughs> and I Not was the best representation was, of the city. That's what I thought of Los Angeles. I swear to God, that is what I thought of Los Angeles. Just was the movie Colors. Bloods, yes. Taking each other out 100%. all day long. I thought you would get <laughs> off the plane at LAX. And more than likely, you had to put on a certain color and you were going to be shot by the other color. <laughs> that was it. Uh, and, 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 and Sean Penn would be there oddly yes. um, but it was that was kind of my thought of LA I'm like there's no way in hell this guy's moving to LA like going to and, that war zone right and I and I came out for the audition and it was really funny so this is back you know pre 9-11 so you, you know you could show up five minutes before a flight and just walk on so I had time to kill and I, I, I had a rental car and so I drove to some beach I, I now know it's Manhattan Beach because it's right behind LAX right. I said well I got some time to kill I'm going to go find the ocean I end up right there at that little paid parking lot at Manhattan Beach and it's sun the sun setting and I'm like holy cow mm-hmm. this isn't colors it's yeah. this is heaven and people are pulling up in their Mercedes and BMWs and they're ripping off their clothes and putting on their wetsuits and diving in the ocean to surf and I called my wife on my flip phone and I'm like we're moving out here and I got the job offer and we thought look we don't have kids she had she had been an Air Force proud she spent a little time out here but I thought let's do it like let's like it's not going to work We'll Take a spend, shot, yeah, right? We'll, we'll go spend six months out here. You can always move back. And I still didn't have aspirations to act or to host or to do other things. It was just to do this. And I thought, what the hell? Let's go do it for six months. I can always be a sportscaster back home. Tomorrow, we'll be talking more to Chris about his career, but also about the Bachelor Winter Games, which promised to be amazing. He was able to show me a little behind-the-scenes stuff while we were talking, and he says it's the best Bachelor ever. Now, I know he says that kind of stuff a lot, but I've seen some footage and it's pretty amazing. Also, my wife and I will be breaking down tonight's episode of The Bachelor and I'll be talking to our UK correspondent, the very funny Mr. Steve Ashton. All that tomorrow. Come on back. If you're not a subscriber, sign up at patreon.com slash the Ralph Report and we'll talk again tomorrow. I love you. I mean it. Bye. Bye.